It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose today. Strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to the team that I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Keith, Echo, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday, producer Steve. Yeah, well, let's see. Wednesday, hump day, midday, midweek day, whatever you want to call it, July 12th. And it is Wings Day at Hooters Restaurants. You buy 20 wings uh, and you get an additional 10 for free. That's for to-go or to dine in. And I will be partaking in that today because the girls are coming over. And uh, so we will be having those. I love the lemon pepper rub as well as the Texas barbecue rub and the smoked wings because they're half the calories, producer Steve. The girls are coming over to the house? They are. Okay. Well, we know what that means. So, uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll just deal with it. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we are having a patriotic gift exchange. Oh, my. We do two kind of parties each year, one around Christmas, well, in December, and one around the, the uh, 4th of July, Independence Day. And uh, so in July, we're doing a patriotic gift exchange. It's highly competitive, and it's a lot of fun. So I can't wait to see everyone tonight. And uh, and actually, I'm headed up to Boulder to the Tapas and Topics uh, luncheon tomorrow, uh, today, too. So I'm going to get to see a lot of my buddies today. So I'm excited about that. When you say it's highly competitive, uh, as in with the Christmas time version, you have the ability to uh, steal a gift? Yes. Oh, geez. Yes. And it gets it gets rambunctious. So anyway, Hooters Wings, we're going to have those. Uh, how they became partners of the show. It's a really interesting story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. You can find that at my website at KimMunson.com. Let's jump into it. We've got a, a just a great show planned for you today. Talk. Uh, we're scheduled to talk with Dr. Jack, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler this morning. Uh, in the first segment, and then uh, Trent Luce, sixth-generation farmer and rancher, in the uh, second hour. Did I say first segment? I meant uh, first hour and second hour, so a lot going on there. So let's stay right on it and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our, our weekly email newsletter. And, Janie, if you are listening, I told you that Jay Valentine, or back and forth in, I think, emails, was uh, scheduled to be on Thursday. But I was mixed up. You were right. He's scheduled for Friday. And uh, you will not want to miss that um, because that's uh, he's um, got some new information, I think, about elections in Colorado. So that's going to be really important. So that is on Friday. So, But sign up for our weekly email newsletter because Janie got it right because she had looked at the newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And we will be recording tomorrow our America's Veterans Stories show, and uh, we're going to actually record two tomorrow, Producer Steve. And my friend back on the East Coast, 
who uh, works with a lot of the um, World War II veterans with the Best Defense Foundation, uh, has um, connected me with a couple of guys that we're going to be interviewing tomorrow, both World War II veterans. I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it, Producer Steve. You have... I mean, just this year alone, you've been, you know, you get occasional World War II guy uh, as we've been doing this over the years. But just this year alone, you've had probably at least a dozen and they just they just blow your doors off their 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 level of uh, alertness and uh, their recall and the things they bring to the interview. They're just awesome. Well, and it is so important to understand our history, listen to our history and understand it. Because it gives us inspiration for what we're facing today in America. We are in this great battle of ideas between good and evil. Um, The American idea that all men are created equal or they're not. And those on the radical activist left do not believe that people are created equal. And so we're in this big battle. And we engage in this battle of ideas every day so that you can get your brain around these issues and engage in this battle of ideas uh, with reasonable, reasonable, rational conversation. And that is our goal each and every day. Our word of the day is acolyte. And it could be three things. A person who assists the celebrant in the performance of liturgical rites, a devoted follower or attendant, or one who waits on a person, an attendant, an assistant. So let's go with number two for using it in a sentence, a devoted follower or attendant. The mainstream media and big tech seem to be acolytes for the radical activist agenda that we see playing out in America today. I got one. Okay. Hillary Clinton is an acolyte of Saul Alinsky. How's that? Ah. Well done. Well, well done. So again, word of the day is acolyte. Try to use that at least once today in a sentence when you're talking with someone. And uh, again, the word is acolyte. Let's get over here to our our uh, quote of the day. And this is from James M. Burt, United States Army Medal of Honor recipient, born 1917, died 2006. And sometimes I do the citation, but uh, there actually was um, more of a story on him. And I talked with Brad Padula uh, when I was down um, at the July 4 uh, celebration. um, And uh, Brad Padula, well, down in Westcliff at Drew Dix's place. And Drew Dix and Brad Padula are the co-founders of the Center for American Values, which is located on the Riverwalk in Pueblo, Colorado. I highly recommend that you get down there and just take a look at the portraits of valor. It's there's over 160 portraits of Medal of Honor recipients with and quotes from each of them. And it is just so inspirational. Uh, and uh, it's so I think, again, it's so important to know these stories uh, because we've been in tough times before and everyday people stepped up when the situation presented itself. And that's uh, why each of these men were awarded the Medal of Honor is because of actions that they took that saved lives. Uh, But again, um, the other thing that the Center for American Values does is they have a whole educational program and uh, they're working diligently on um, more and more on their online program as well. So you can get all that information at AmericanValueCenter.org. That's AmericanValueCenter.org. But again, uh, we'll get to the quote for the day in a moment, but this is the story. It says, um, 
James M. Burt. He was born in Massachusetts in July 1917 at the age of 22. He graduated from Norwich University, the nation's oldest private military college, and the birthplace, birthplace of the Reserve Officers Training Corps. The new graduate was commissioned into the Army as a second lieutenant and began active duty in 1941 as U.S. concern over World War II was increasing. Once the U.S. entered the war, Burt took part in the major campaigns over the next few years in North Africa, Sicily, and D-Day, but he earned his Medal of Honor during the Battle of Aachen. In September 1944, the U.S. Army pushed across Germany's Siegfried Line along Germany's western border near Aachen, the uh, country's westernmost city, which borders Belgium and the Netherlands. The battle for the city lasted a little more than a month. On October 13, Burt was commanding Company B of the 66th Armored Regiment, 2nd Armored Division in Versalen, just north of Aachen. They were part of a coordinated attack to surround the Germans hunkered down inside the city. On the first day of the mission, U.S. infantrymen were heavily bombarded by gunfire. Bert, who was in a tank about 200 yards behind them, calmly got out, walked in front of the infantrymen through a hail of gunfire, and waved his tanks into good firing positions. He eventually got back on his tank and directed fire from its rear deck before being wounded. But even then, he didn't run for cover. He stayed in position out in the open until artillery knocked those weapons out and he was able to move his tanks forward. The next day, Bert left his cover to help a wounded battalion commander 75 yards away. For the next eight days, through miserable rain and heavy shelling, Bert held the combined forces together, dominating and controlling the critical situation through the sheer force of his heroic example, according to the award citation. At one point, Bert took his tanks 300 yards into enemy territory, dismounted, and then stayed on the ground for an hour to direct artillery fire. He went into enemy territory twice more that day for reconnaissance. Even when two tanks he was in were knocked out by the enemy, he hopped onto a third and pushed forward. Okay, Steve, at this point, I'm just going to stop and see what you're thinking about this. This is not amazing. I just get blown away. You've already been, you know, so close to death being in two tanks that were knocked out, but yet you get out and get on a third. Yeah. And then continues on. He says, despite the wounds he suffered, Bert continued to rescue wounded soldiers at great personal risk. He also continued to destroy enemy personnel and equipment. The Battle of Aachen was bitter and the conditions were awful. But Bert's courage and leadership served as a rallying point for his soldiers and others. Now, just think about that, Steve. When we talk about every day engaging in this battle of ideas, just one person standing up can rally others and encourage others to to to, to step up into the situation. And uh, it says the capture of Aachen psychologically crushed the Germans and gave U.S. troops hope that the end of the war was in sight. For his courage under fire, Burt received, uh, was awarded the Medal of Honor from President Harry S. Truman on October 12, 1945, along with several other men. After war, Burt returned to civilian life. After a career in the paper industry, he earned a master's degree in education from New Hampshire's Keene State College in 1969 and worked as a mathematics and business instructor at Franklin Pierce College, also in New Hampshire. 
He continued to be active with Norwich University through his life. In 1990, the university dedicated James M. Burt Drive near Plumley Armory in his honor. Bert had four children with his first wife, Edith, whom he married during the war. He remarried in 1976. He died in February 2006 in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, at the age of 88. Do you know where that's at? Your pencil book. Uh, it's a suburb of Reading, Pennsylvania, to the west. Okay. And this is what he said. He said, oh, here we go. Oh, guys, here we go. He said, if it has to be done, do it. He said that, I think, long before Nike uh, even thought about saying something like that. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. I I like his version of it so much better. (laughs) I do, too. And uh, he definitely, his life embodied that. And again, that is James, uh, James Imbert. Let me make sure I got that right. And yep. Let's care for how how we pronounce that. James M, middle initial, Bert. Okay, very good. Thank you. And uh, again, I just takes gives me inspiration for what we are engaged in today. Uh, just one headline, just quickly that you didn't, you and I didn't even talk about, is apparently uh, North Korea decided to lob a uh, a missile towards, um, you know, towards us. And again, the weakness that we are seeing within our military, as the Biden administration and the PBIs with him, are trying to make our military woke. Uh, which is making us um, less uh, war ready, uh, and you can see that it is Im- imbo- emboldening, emboldingly, um, emboldening. I guess the word is the uh, our, our enemy, Steve. Let me get. I didn't see the the headline, but let me guess. The uh, projectile, the missile, fell into the South China Sea, or the Sea uh, of Japan. I wonder if the UN doesn't ticket them for for littering. There's so much of their junk in the Sea of Japan. (laughs) Uh, Yes, North Korea launches long-range missile into the sea. So, um, again, they're rattling their sabers over there, and that's not a good thing. And that is why we need to stay on top of all this, and that's why we do this show. And we get to do this because of sponsors. And, again, any of these sponsors that I talk about or that are advertising on the show, I know each and every one of them personally and highly recommend them. So if you are needing their goods or services, a great way to support the show is to give them your business. And the Roger Magan State Farm Insurance Team is one of those great sponsors. And Roger understands that there are unknowns that can keep you up at night. And that is why the Roger Mangan team can also help with life insurance and health insurance needs to replace lost income. Call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855 for a complimentary appointment. Like a good neighbor, the Roger Mangan Insurance Team is there. Most of us have been there. That surprise crunch when you backed into a car in a parking lot or someone rear-ended you at a stoplight. First thing you do is stop and breathe. Second, say a prayer of gratitude that no one was hurt. Third, look for your insurance card. And fourth, be grateful that you have your insurance with Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. You can breathe easier knowing that you can reach the Roger Mangan team 24-7 when you need them. For that Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance peace of mind, call Roger Mangan today at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855. 
It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubbs Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubbs Services. Schedule your air conditioning check before summer arrives at johnnystubbservices.com and receive a great gift. That's johnnystubbservices.com. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure to check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And he is on the line, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, where you can find uh, his essays and information at Popular Rationalism. And also he is the founder of IPAC-EDU, that's IPAK-EDU.org, where he is bringing uh, fantastic instructors and individuals with intellectual curiosity together. Dr. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. I hope everyone's doing well out there in Colorado. We are. We, we've had wild weather this year, though, Dr. Jack, uh, and we're finally, I think, getting into summer now, but it's been wild out here. Well, yeah, we, we, there's a very, very good reason for there to be intense weather. People should understand that my understanding of climate change is that there's a higher variance in the expected local weather with more energy in the atmosphere, but that's a topic for another day. Okay, that is a topic for another day. Let's let's jump in here to the first topic that I wanted to talk with you about, and that is uh, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, uh, who we saw her very active through the whole COVID reaction. She is leaving the CDC, correct? She is on her way out, and it's a bit overdue. Uh, before she came to the CDC, she published a paper that uh, argued that if we're going to ever have success against um, something like a respiratory virus that that might be something like a coronavirus, we're going to have to use a PCR test uh, followed by a confirmatory test that has 100% um, accuracy in, in the manner of not confusing that respiratory illness with other illnesses. And that's called specificity. So I know it's early out there, but uh, 
So she published this paper, and after she became CDC, she evidently forgot about her own paper because they just used PCR. If you had a positive PCR test result and you had COVID, and we now know that that over the over the duration of the COVID-19 debacle has ranged from 40 to 90% false positives. Well, and, and she wants to dictate, though, that people get a, a vaccine. Wasn't that one of the, the things that she did on the way out? There's a whole litany of things that she did. Um, yeah, and I want to talk about that respiratory syncytial virus uh, recommendation on her way out. She's kind of a lame up director. And, you know, traditionally in these uh, in these agencies, when there are major policy decisions to be made, that the, the outgoing director would defer to any incoming new director and kind of place on hold these things. There's no there's no emergency for respiratory syncytial virus. I mean, the numbers are tiny in terms of serious hospitalizations or deaths due to RSV. And so, you know, this, this director, Walensky, also, before I get to the RSV vaccine, she, she did a couple of things along the way. Uh, for instance, she had... Uh, been a key voice um, uh, confirming the American Federation teachers, you know, prolonged school closures that were now known to be useless and less than useless. They were harmful uh, to Americans' children. Um, she is really confusing, um, conflicting, unscientific, and, and false answers in her testimony, uh, outgoing testimony. Um, when, when she had to testify to Congress, um, there were problems with, uh, you know, the political influence of the, of the CDC from the American Federation of Teachers, uh, where, you know, she's the, the director of the American Federation of Teachers had her cell phone and all these other issues that are not supposed to happen, um, we have uh, a difference of opinion between CDC director and the White House way back in February 2021, where Walensky uh, talked about school reopenings and vaccines for teachers. And uh, the White House claimed that even though she was making uh, an announcement in official capacity as CDC director, they reversed her policy and overruled her and said that it was just her personal capacity. I mean, I can't imagine this happening to an FBI director or something like that. How do you imagine if President Trump said that he was reversing the FBI director's position? I think she just can't do this. These agencies uh, are, are entirely politicized now. Um well, and Dr. Jack, let, let, let's talk just a little bit more about this um, relationship between her and the teachers' unions, because as we are seeing, uh, the teachers' unions are really not standing up for teachers or students. Uh, they're standing up for a, an ideology that they, they seem to be pushing. And while that's happening, our kids are falling behind on reading, writing, arithmetic. And so what... The, uh, this relationship with the CDC—that's uh, that's—it's wild, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. The idea that we're going to, uh, in some way, help children by 
preventing them from seeing their their teachers or the, or each other's masks when neurodevelopment and social development is already under fire. Um, the idea that public health can come in and so dramatically and for such a long period of time uh, impact all of our lives, not a person who's known to be infected, but all of our lives, was direct overreach. When I wrote my book on Ebola, um, and it was a vast overreach of power. When I wrote my book on Ebola, it turns out that the power structure, the people that have the power to do anything like uh, a quarantine, uh, falls to the governors of the state, not to CDC, not to Fauci. And the governor has to be convinced that an individual poses an immediate threat to others. And that was just steamrolled. That was, those are the prior conditions that had to exist before they could quarantine any individual, let alone lock down an entire society. And we, of course, recall that the scientific evidence that was used uh, to by Fauci to push for, for the Chinese-style lockdown was one person who went over and viewed China's lockdown policies and practices and came back and said they thought it was a good idea, thought it was going to be effective. And so everything is unhinged. There's no respect for the processes that our predecessors put in place and the checks and balances on power. And that made CDC and, you know, and CDC and NIAID and NIH rogue agencies. And they have to be reined in and they have to be reconstructed. Revolutionary reform is on the horizon and there's a lot of people there that are not going to be happy with the future once we get control of, you know, the reins of the executive branch of the government again. Well, Dr. Jack, I'm concerned looking into the future that COVID was um, a precursor to something more that they that they want to try to to exert power over. I'm, I'm concerned that it might either be uh, well, I'm concerned it might be climate change that they will will try to you know take more and more power from everyday individuals. But somebody, one of our listeners, um, texted me and they said that they thought it would be the flu. And, the, and now we see this RSV thing. They tried something with monkeypox, but that didn't really pan out. What's your thoughts about all that? Well, those are some good points. So let's go in reverse order. So monkeypox, uh, that, that actually died out because the PCR test for monkeypox actually had negative controls in the kit. So you could understand how to control the false positive rate I was talking about before. So, you know, if it's, it's like Keystone Cops over there. The, 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 the SARS-CoV-2 kit didn't have the negative control sample per patient. I wrote to Peter Marks and I said, hey, you're going to cause a huge problem. You're going to destroy the American uh, economy by these sporadic, diffused, highly distributed quarantines of 10 days. You can't quarantine 40% of the American population on an ongoing basis. You're going to destroy our economy, and it's going to get worse over time. I told them all of this. And so I was grateful to see that when monkeypox PCR um, was referenced, I looked it up and, and, and read the tech sheets on it, and it actually would not have the false, po- false positive problem. Well, guess what? We don't have an epidemic of monkeypox. Um, it's, it's, I, I, I agree that power is like water. It seeks you know, the lowest level. And, and, it's, and when you build a, a pressure of a volume of, of power and systems, that um, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't think they're intelligent enough to have a master plan. 
to to do this COVID nineteen as a as a trial and actually have it succeed. In fact, I think they face planted horribly. That if it was a, a, a trial of some kind to try to test the American will for totalitarianism through public health or something like that, they failed miserably because it blew back on them, and now they've actually made their that job and that route towards totalitarianism much, much more difficult. Um, I was at the park the other day. I'm a scientist, but I'm going to go on anecdotes. Uh, and I, I had my little nephew, or not, sorry, my grandson there, and, and he was playing with other two-year-olds. And I kind of stood back from the parent group because they appeared to uh, have been there before. And one of the moms said, did you guys hear that the uh, people that are not exposed to the vaccine not show evidence that they're exposed to spike protein somehow? And maybe it's from the people who are vaccinated. And then another dad said, yeah, it's population control. And then there was a dad who said, well, they're doing a really good job. I just smiled, kept my mouth shut and smiled. My job is done. You know, American citizenry, and this is in southwest Michigan, this is a good mix of uh, liberal and uh, conservative concerns. Um, but um, my job is done here when it comes to COVID. It's, it's over. They can't do anything more. People are not accepting the boosters. They, they're, they're accepting the, the truth. Uh, the more vaccinated you are, the, the higher the likelihood you're going to develop COVID. And so when it, when it comes to climate change, you know, I've written articles showing the data that the, there is a more rapid uh, increase in measured temperature uh, at different climate stations around the world than we ever have before. And if you look at the ice cores from Vostok before they started Taking the data, which is another problem. I mean, nobody has any faith in what these people at NOAA or other agencies that are talking about climate change are doing. And, you know, global warming might, might actually be happening, but I would not be at all surprised with a couple of uh, volcanoes here and there. We might see a reversal towards a global cooling over the decades. This is the nature of the dynamics of, of climate change and so of uh, temperature change anyway. But you know, my response to climate change was to uh, create the course at IPAC-EDU, Environmental Toxicology, Ecosystem, and Human Health. And one of the take-homes from that 18-lecture course is that carbon dioxide is not the most dangerous molecule we've put into the atmosphere. Carbon dioxide is plant food. It, it, it causes, you know, the growth of of plants it's a it's food for the plants literally and you know it's our waste product when we exhale when other animals exhale and so um it's part of this whole <clears throat> great circle of life dr jack let's uh let's go to break i'm talking with dr james lines weiler and again you can find his essays and information at popular rationalism at substack and also these great courses where he is connecting uh, fabulous instructors with with individuals that have intellectual curiosity and want to learn about things. These uh, they're very affordable courses, and actually he does offer discounts for Kim Munson Show listeners if you put in M O N S O N as you are signing up. Uh, and the show comes to you because of great sponsors such as uh, Dr. James Lineswiler and also Karen Levine. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has nearly 30 years of experience with Remax Alliance. Karen Levine works to protect your property rights at the local, county, state, and national level. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. 
Working with realtor Karen Levine helps you navigate through the process of buying or selling your home. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Oh, yes. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And uh, before we get back into the conversation with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, as you all know, I... uh, dearly love the USMC Memorial Foundation. They are raising money for the remodel of the Marine Memorial out at Sixth and Colfax, but they have a fabulous um, flag display that is um, is uh, lighted during the night. It's uh, 24-7. The flags are waving out there, but because of the winds that have been out there as well as the, the rains, the electrical system has... Um, uh, it has some challenges right now. And so if you go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org, and at the very top there is a red banner where you can contribute money to keep the flags flying, uh, highly recommend that. Maybe just give them a, the price of a cup of coffee. Of course, that's getting more expensive every day. But uh, that would be very helpful to go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org and keep those flags flying. Dr. Jack, uh, when we went to break, we were talking about, I'm concerned about it, another totalitarian power grab by all of these PBIs, these politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties. And I mentioned I was concerned about climate change, but you, you, you said it. This is the elephant in the room. Carbon dioxide is plant food. It's part of this whole circle of life that we have. And the idea that they are demonizing it, we're out here in the West. They're actually uh, up in... Um, uh, Summit County, I think it's Summit County here in Colorado, uh, they are uh, wanting to use eminent domain on people's property to put a pipeline, a carbon dioxide pipeline, to take carbon dioxide and bury it in the ground. What do you think about that? Yeah, so this kind of uh, overreach and, and, and on, on, on unfounded policies and, and is exactly the symptom of an unsustainable totalitarian grab. I mean, you know, in addition to showing their hand every time, we now we know all of their modus operandi. We also have this massive infrastructure. Fifty, sixty percent of Americans are, you know, 
less and less, you know, not just vaccine risk aware, but they were also less supportive of large governments intervening in your life. Um, and and so there's a, a major political shift, I believe, coming. Uh, and that's not just me being, you know, optimistic. I, I, I understand these complex systems, and I've, you know, seen the the pendulum swing, and this is why the pendulum swings. And so. Right now, for instance, you know, my, my concern isn't that they're going to use pol- uh, the, the climate change per se uh, to to enact some totalitarian. You know, okay, we have now we have to have lockdowns uh, because they're not going to succeed. And the the, the the constitutional rights that are guaranteed by the Constitution, you know, and that natural rights that are guaranteed by the Constitution. Uh, will stop them from putting us all in boxes next to rail cars that are, you know, electric rail cars if we have to commute to work or, you know, the the end of the automobile era that people are concerned about just simply cannot happen uh, because people understand their individual rights. And so Biden administration, for instance, has to go elsewhere uh, for the overreach now. And that's why the World Health Organization is setting it up with new policies that that say if you have some kind of a health care emergency, some kind of an outbreak or an epidemic, and you're a member of the World Health Organization, unless over the next few days, you know, you, you object, the United States has to register an objection, the World Health Organization is now going to have new policies that they can come and intervene on the U.S. soil without checking with uh, the member nation. It used to be in coordination with or in cooperation with or if the, if the nation at the invitation of and all of that was led, redlined in that, in that uh, so-called treaty. And this is an ancient now. I mean, we're talking, you know, when the World Health Organization was founded, how are we going to ratify policies? We don't want to have local politics interfering with World Health Organization policies, do we? No. So what we're going to do is... The way that it was set up was if the World Health Organization has a new policy, they'll announce the policy and there'll be an open period of comment. And, and if, unless you object, it's now international law. Well, there's no enforceability. There's no enforceability whatsoever. They can say that they're going to come in and they're going to you know, shut down Americans' uh, gas stations, for instance, because of climate change. Um, I'd like to see that happen because that's not that's impossible. And I'm not the person that's got my eyes closed to the possibilities. I mean, there may be people that might want to try, but, you know, the, the fact is we'll be there with our cars, with changing ownership of gas stations if we need to and taking it away from people that are rolling over through capitalism. Oh, you shut down that gas station? Well, that's fine. You know, you're really going to have to go after the oil tankers, too, because, you know, we'll just create a new gas station so we can conduct American business. So I think that there's the, the big dichotomy is between the globalist communist agenda, uh, which believes in long-term mission creep and just, you know, closing the ligature around the neck slowly, one generation at a time, and the, the, the boisterousness of creative enterprise. And I'm, I'm, my, my, I'm betting on the latter. It's a wonderful experiment that we have here in democracy in the United States, and we have to treat it with great respect and defend it at all costs. So I'll be right there with you, Kim. They want wow. to take away my car because, because there's carbon dioxide being emitted by my automobile. I'll be right, be right there with you. Well, and uh, actually we had Lauren Fix on yesterday, who is uh, Car Coach Reports, 
And we were talking about this assault upon the private car ownership. And the World Economic Forum, apparently at the recent meeting in China, uh, said that they have a goal of reducing private car ownership by 76% by 2050. And freedom of mobility is is something that's been so inherent in the American idea that uh, I just I'm just not sure that people understand what that agenda is because they're trying to trying to go after our private car ownership via you know rules and regulations and ordinances and then sure. government money going into out here in Colorado well out here in the front range Dr. Jack there are uh, it, they're making it more difficult for private home ownership, but building all of these apartments that really look Soviet China-like here, and it just it breaks my heart. Well, I mean, there are people that want to choose to live that way. Certainly, the the, the younger generation they they shop at IKEA. They don't want the heavy furniture. They don't they don't want the permanent feel of a big oak, you know, dresser. Mm-hmm. There's a shift in the culture that this that our generation has to accept is happening, and is it a healthy thing, or, or what's behind it? And what's behind it, ironically, is that they change jobs six or seven times before they retire. <laughs> it's, 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 it's horizontal mobility. It used to be upward mobility, so people had a permanence. And that's bad for the American family, but, you know, um, again, we live in a free, um, open market. Uh, like to see them try to take away car ownership the way that they are thinking that they might be able to do it through these policies. <laughs> but there is also the, the, the reality of uh, competition in the marketplace. And so they, they'll have to do things like they're doing in California where they say we're going to ban you know, the, the sale of gasoline-powered vehicles. Okay, so it's not that far of a trip. There's going to be a massive boon in the sale of gasoline part vehicles in Nevada and Oregon. It's not that far of a trip to go over the border because they can't take away life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You have the right to own one. Now, the state can refuse to issue licenses to operate one, but then that'll become the issue on the Constitution, whether we actually need the state's approval to operate something that we own. And and do they have the right and ability to do that? So it's been a wonderful uh, series of rulings in the in the in the. In on the part of, of judges, um, looking at these issues and saying, "No, we have to, we have to defer to the Constitution," um, so, especially in public health. So, and what I, I just I hear something um, just really hopeful as we're as I'm talking with you about this. The, and I, I want to just because I was on city council for four years, I saw how, uh, how some of the sausage is made. And that is, as you have PBIs, these politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties that were using public policy and incentives to try to limit um, private or, or um, single-family home ownership, but yet then in- incentivizing and using government money for these apartment right. buildings that could probably never stand on their own economically uh, without all right. these incentives. And so that's where we have a problem. I agree with you on free choice. If there's somebody that says that I like apartment living and they use their dollars and they, they want to uh, rent, that's one thing. But the, this whole public sure. policy thing is where I'm so concerned. Well, sure. So the, the outcome of that policy in China is that they've built entire cities where no one is living. 
that's the policy that causes the, the building of these these high rises in cities and homes and entire suburbs where no one is living. So, okay, you have to build this. But the difference between China and the United States is that you have precinct directors that are under the fire of the gun literally to deliver a certain quantity of things, or you're fired, and it's not just fired, you can be killed by the, US, by, by, sorry, by the Chinese government. Here in the United States, you mentioned a very key thing. You know, we had a housing boom that went that overreached the market. There were too many houses that were built, and the houses just sat there. Uh, especially in Nevada, there was a huge, huge boom for, for housing. It looked like there was going to be a huge demand. And then there was a housing glut. The cycles of life that we were talking about earlier, there was a glut in the housing market due to bankruptcies following 2008. So there those new buildings stood. No one could afford them, so no one bought them. Free market. So they stopped building new houses. Here in you know in, in Colorado, if there are neighborhood after neighborhood or building after building that no one's living in, it's unsustainable. You mentioned it right there. The, the the beauty of free market capitalism is that the solution is built into the equations that describe the feedback loops on consumer demand and cost. So the policies are one thing. They would literally have to write laws that says you must live in this box, and they can't do that. In China, they can. In China, they can say, okay, your, your credit score is going to be better if you live in this box, or your social credit score is going to be better if you live in this box. And look at what they can do in China with controlling your reproductive output. So, um, you know, let, let, uh, we wanted to finish off with Rochelle Walensky. I'm sorry about the awkward hard left turn here, the unsmooth transition, but the, the RSV vaccine itself... Um, was given ACIP approval, a uh, recommendation, and then I was shocked that the CDC outgoing director took it upon herself as though she still had the say-so to, you know, rubber stamp yet another vaccine. And the way that the RSV vaccine is going to go is the way that uh, the monkeypox vaccine has gone. I know no one who has received or accepted the monkeypox vaccine. There may be some elderly people who can be more easily co convinced or coerced by their doctor to accept an RSV under the argument that the elderly are in the highest risk category and they're going to be misled by the U.S. media that say that the elderly are high risk, which is different. See, right. you, you, risk is relative, and so watch the narrative, watch the messaging on RSV vaccination because the numbers are not there for demand for a vaccine. It's okay. ridiculous, and so hopefully a future CDC director will reverse this recommendation. Okay. I'm talking with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, and uh, you can find him at Popular Rationalism at Substack, and also he is the founder of IPAC-EDU.org. And we have these important conversations because of great sponsors like Dr. Jack, as well as Lauren Levy. Knowledge is power. A reverse mortgage can be an important financial tool for individuals 62 and older. It is essential to understand the process so that all your questions are answered. With nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry, Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, 
or move. Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Kim Munson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Franktown Firearms staff and customers alike are concerned with your safety and ability to shoot well, and that comes from the sense of community that they foster at their shop. The staff doesn't work on commissions from sales, so there won't be any pressure to buy what you don't need. They host events like Ladies' Night every first Friday and a Tactical Fun Night every third Friday because they value their community and they understand that selling the most expensive product doesn't help you learn to shoot. Your money goes further at Franktown because they'd rather you to be self-sufficient with what you already own and be proficient in using it. If you're looking for a range and shop that can take you to the next level in your self-defense training, learn how to shoot in realistic scenarios from instructors who have been there, done that. Then look no further than Franktown Firearms. Go to klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. Uh, we are an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Dr. Jack, uh, your faith in our Constitution, I totally agree with that. Uh, as we are talking about totalitarianism, uh, COVID, um, China, um, but a lot of people don't understand our Constitution, but yet I think inherently they understand our rights. We've got maybe seven or eight minutes left. How would you like to button this conversation up? It's been a very important conversation. Yeah, so given the way that it's gone, right, I mean, there's the political aspects and there's the legislative aspects. Obviously, get involved, go down to your uh, congressional representative's office, talk with them about these issues, tell them about not just legislation that they should, you know, fight against, but also legislation that you might have in your mind that might actually shore up some of the U.S. Constitution in your state. Um, The the founding fathers and their wives actually were brilliant because the the separation of powers is a good and healthy thing, uh, but without the judiciary branch being separated from the executive branch, we would already be in a totalitarian regime years ago long time ago, so there's no checks and balances. You have to make sure the on-process understands the U.S. Constitution and understand why there are separations of power and understand that the executive branch should not have its own judiciary uh, and work against it. You, it's up to you. It's up to the individual. And the founding fathers and their wives also knew this. They, they knew that it's up to each individual and every generation uh, to to promote, protect, and defend the Constitution. It's not just an oath for, you know, um, for people who are, are elected into office and for people who are sworn to uh, to enforce the law. But you know, the judges who are affirmed and and and, and confirmed, uh, they take an oath. So I think it's you know, in our culture we we take these oaths as just part of like a stamp on an envelope necessary pageantry, but they actually have meaning and they carry weight. And we have to hold these uh, 
persons and ourselves as individuals accountable to those personal oaths. Um, it's a personal oath when you put up your hand and you say that you swear to defend and protect the U.S. Constitution. And so I, I do, of course, you know, read the news widely. And if you happen to live in a state, and I think part of the problem of Colorado is you probably have, um, you know, a judicial district where you have the wrong kinds of judges that are politically leaning towards the left, you know, um, then work to change that somehow, uh, participate in the electoral process, become, find out how to become part of the electoral college, um, you know, get more active in your party, whether you're independent or uh, in the GOP. Um, if you're, you know, one of the re most remarkable things that happened to me is that, uh, uh, over the past month, Kim, was, I was talking with my sister. She's been a, a staunch conservative Republican since uh, day one when she registered and her husband as well. Well, they're shifting parties for the primary. There's, I believe Bobby Kennedy is bringing in a, a new source of new style Democrats that, for, at least for the primary, to make sure that this, 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 uh, this election goes in favor. Now, how does Bobby get into the primary if the, if the, if the party won't, you know, basically won't run a primary? Well, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything more about that. But if we have the opportunity for the revolutionary reform that we see coming out of the Kennedy administration, I'm going to be a central part of that. And so much so, I would love to think I would be available to come and be on this show on a regular basis again. I, and I love you guys out there. We have a lot of support for what you're trying to do. But Keeping in mind the, the depth of the wisdom of having, uh, you know, 13 original states from 13 original colonies and keeping those borders intact, administering uh, federal versus state government, these tensions, why in the world would anybody set something up that was so complicated? These tensions are the protection. We have a 50-state experiment in democracy. There are 50 replicates. They have to enact all of these policy changes in all 50 states. And look what happened with vaccine mandates in California and New York. And people are leaving these states in hordes. Yes, it's a very big disruption in your life to have to leave over something like a policy. But you can vote with your feet. And then the economy of the state that kicked you out basically will suffer because you're taking your businesses with them. You'll shore up the conservative base or the independent base in whatever state you move to if it gets really bad and unlivable. But at the same point, I, I have to iterate, you know, being a father of two, two young men who are, you know, less than 25 years old each, they grew up in a very different world than we did. They grew up in a digital age. They grew up in an age where, you know, it's imposed upon them for personal responsibility to defer to the state, and that statism is the, is the, is the answer um, we have to understand that it's worth learning over and over and over again, generation after generation, the foundations of America. And unless we do that and we make sure that we have civics in our public schools, work on it. Pick one thing. That's what I tell my students in, in classes. Pick one thing and be that person that does that in your school district. 
whatever it is, you be that person, show up at your school school board meeting and say, why don't we have civics on the curriculum? Who do I talk to to make sure this happens? Why don't we have a civics club that meets afterwards and studies how the government is structured and how it works? It's mm-hmm. so important to do that. And, uh, you know, Tim, I know you agree with all of this. I'm preaching to the choir, but I also am I'm appealing to the deacon. <laughs> well, I uh, I love that, Dr. Jack, and uh, civics is so important. And we only have a minute left, but Bobby Kennedy uh, Jr., are, is uh, he's really... Um, He's a fly in the ointment right now. It's very interesting to watch what's happening uh, with him regarding um, coming up against the radical activist Democrats. And I know that you've got a frontline seat on that. It's a wonderful development. I mean, dissent within a political party is a symptom of a healthy party. You know, remember, rational discourse and a free and open discussion is necessary for this entire human enterprise. Unless you want to live under a totalitarian regime, uh, I choose not to. Um, someone, I, uh, I was on a call with 300 doctors, and one of them asks me, what if he tapped me to go reform science at the NIH, and so, et cetera? I said, I'd be on the plane the next day. Aha. Uh-huh. Dr. Jack, we are out of time. But uh, I, I love it. You are, are a great sponsor of the show, uh, Popular Rationalism. People can find your essays, but ipac-edu.org is these amazing classes that you have. And we will talk to you next month, Dr. Jack. Thank you, Kim. Be well. Good luck. And our quote for the end of the show is from Thomas Paine. He said, tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. My friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Stay tuned for hour number two. Wandering out into this great unknown. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't survive. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas mistruths or misconceptions and it is getting us into a world of hurt is it freedom or is it force let's have a conversation indeed let's have a conversation and welcome to our number two of the kim munson show thank you so much for joining us you're each treasured you're valued you have purpose today strive for excellence take care of your heart your soul your mind and your body my friends we were made for this moment thank you to the team that i work with that's producer steve producer luke zach keith echo charlie and all the people here at crawford broadcasting happy wednesday producer steve happy wednesday to you too midweek uh what do we call it what's the camel say hump day, hump day. Hump day. yes thank you hump rachel's day. got it aha uh, <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yes, and uh, it is also Wings Day at, at Hooters Restaurants. You buy 20 wings, you get an additional 10 for free. I will be partaking since the girls are coming over tonight. That's for to go or to dine in. And Hooters Restaurants is a great sponsor of both the shows, uh, the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories. They have five locations, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. And uh, how I got to know them, it's a really interesting story about freedom and free markets and capitalism and government control and just all kinds of things. So be sure and check that out at my website. I uh, also wanted to mention Janssen Photography, uh, great sponsors of the show. And uh, we do have our new sales brochure done. And uh, I uh, am looking uh, for... Uh, a few more uh, sponsors to work with. Um, we want to make sure that we are aligned and that uh, uh, you like what we do and, and uh, that you strive for excellence. And so if you uh, are one of those kinds of businesses with um, products or services that would like to become a partner of the show, let me know. I've got this beautiful brochure that we can sit down and go through. Uh, but Jansen Photography did the uh, photos for that. And uh, Zach you know, runs all the media stuff. Said, Kim, you've got to, got to get some more photos. And I don't like to have my picture taken. And my gosh, Glenn Jansen did an amazing job. So for family portraits, uh, portraits of children, they grow up way too quickly. These senior portraits, our senior students are going to need to get those senior pictures done. And I, uh, those are also just a, a great treasure or that important uh, photo that you need for your business or political career, jansenphotography.com. That's J-A-N-S-S-E-N photography.com is the place to do that. So you know, check Z- that out. Zach had a good point, though. That picture with oh, you dear. and George Washington's horse, that <laughs> that was getting old. Oh, <laughs> oh touche. The war is on. That's a good one. I'll have to go to work on my rebuttal on that. Uh, so um, well done. Well done. A uh, couple of things here. First of all, oh, my gosh, you, you should listen to the – if you did not hear it in the first hour, though, it will be rebroadcast one to two this afternoon. But it is the story of James M. M. Burt, James M. Burt, United States Army Medal of Honor recipient, and his quote of the day is, if it has to be done, do it. And that pretty well says it, Steve. If it has to be done, quit whining, quit complaining, quit procrastinating. If our country needs to be saved, then we just need to do it. Right, Steve? Put your boots on and go. Let's do it. Uh, because we are in a big battle of ideas. Uh, the veil is off. Uh, I've had a number of people on the text line texting in. Uh, yes, Steve? Well, I, you know, that phrase, the battle of ideas, I'm all for that because that's what we've been about for all our history. But we're, you know, watching some of the ideas that pop up from the other side and right right off the bat, right, right out of the chute, it's like, that's a terrible idea. And yet, here we are. Well, and uh, we had a listener that texted this. It says, I'm a, I am more than a little disturbed that the CDC is issuing guidance on men chest feeding their babies. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the CDC is out of control and that few in this country respect them. That's absolutely nuts, this whole chest feeding thing. And what this is, is this is a cancellation of women. Uh, and how is it that the feminist, uh, the radical feminist um, 
that I think many people, many women, as we thought about the feminist movement is, um, gosh, yes, we can work, we can have a career, you know, those things, um, Okay, but actually the feminist movement was really about canceling women. This is we're seeing this play out now. Where are the feminists? Honestly, to say that a, a man can chest feed, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, and this is the so diabolical and devious nature of these people. Is it any it's not a coincidence that chest rhymes with breast? That's not a coincidence. That's exactly what they're trying to do to to cloud the issue, to spread, you know, again, disinformation. Right. And so we've got to speak truth into this. There is men cannot um, chest feed babies. And so this is so if the CDC, I mean, if, if they're coming out with this edict, I'm not going to believe anything that they're going to say. And uh, so they're out of control, and um, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty wild there. But uh, the show comes to you. We have these important conversations uh, with our many great sponsors. Our mortgage expert is Lauren Levy. He's on the line. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Kim. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm just sitting here picturing Robert De Niro and meet the parents with his mold of a of a breast. can you could lauren can you even believe in 2023 america that we're having conversations that men could chest feed babies i mean you can't make this stuff up it's unbelievable i wonder what people in ukraine are thinking as missiles are falling and they see that where this is in our newspapers and stuff we're a laughing stock, is what is happening here, and that's why, that's why we do this show is to shed truth and clarity to what's going on. And Lauren, you're a great sponsor of the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories, and uh, we are going to be re- recording a couple of America's Veteran Story shows tomorrow with two World War II veterans, if you can believe it. And because of your great support of both these shows, we're able to get these stories. I so appreciate you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, we've talked about it many times that capturing these folks while they're still here is huge because there can't be too many World War II veterans left around, you know? It is. And so I thank you for that. Uh, but let's get over here to business. Uh, interest rates, I do see for sale signs. We'll be talking with Karen uh, soon uh, about you know, the real estate market. But uh, people are putting homes on the market. Are people buying homes? What's happening with mortgages? They are. We're, we're just in an interesting situation because rates are, have moved even a little bit higher just with the um, stock market doing well and, you know, the fear of the Fed is that they're still going to raise at least one small, maybe two small raises again. We did have some good data this morning that inflation is cooling, which is nice. That'll help the Fed um, maybe slow down, which is, which is always good. Um, and the biggest problem that there is is inventory that Karen will tell you is that there's just a lot of people that have really low mortgage rates and people that may be thinking about putting their house on the market or would have normally done it, but just don't want to give up that really low rate. And so that lack of inventory is causing prices to stay strong and stay up. And you mix that in with higher rates. And that's what, you know, is making it tough for people. So uh, the, the, the silver lining to this cloud for some people could be a reverse mortgage though. If uh, out here in Colorado, 
um, values are, are staying higher, which, of course, there's, that's a mixed cloud because then taxes go up. That's why we need to have property tax reform, but that's another discussion. Um, <clears throat> but people, if, if uh, they're getting squeezed by inflation and they're 62 years or older, a reverse mortgage might be a strategy for them, yes? Absolutely. It's definitely worth the conversation for people. It helps them stay in their home. And it has a lot of uh, possible features that could really benefit people. And with regards to just straight-up buying houses, you and I have always talked for years now, it seems, that if you find a home, if you need to move and you want to move and you find a home that you like and the rate is a little higher, we talk about, you know, the old, you know, you're not you're not stuck with that rate forever, hopefully, that if rates do come down, people like myself will always try to help you lower your rate for as little fees as possible when the opportunity does show. So people are still moving, and if you have an interest in moving and buying a home, you know, if you can afford to get in with the payment now, we'll help you when rates do drop, and hopefully they will at some point. Okay, so uh, for anything mortgage, uh, talk to Lauren Levy. What's the best way to reach you? The best way to reach me is at 303-880-8881. And just one little minor announcement. Um, I've switched some things on the back end of our company, and we are now able to do loans in 49 states, everywhere but New York. And so we can help listeners who may have homes and second homes in other places or or are moving out of state. We can help them uh, everywhere except New York right now. So that's a big thing. Well, that is great because we had a listener that reached out that wanted to buy a second home. And I sent that over. Now I can't remember which state. And at the time, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So now you can do that. Yep. I've tried to reach out to that listener, but I haven't had a connection yet. But, yes, I can do everywhere. We can do everywhere but New York. So terrific. People in California or Arizona, there's a lot of people in Colorado that have second homes in Arizona. Um, We can help with all those now. Oh, that is fantastic news. And that number for Lauren Levy is 303-880-8881 and 303-880-8881. And I will get you connected after the show with that listener, uh, Lauren, so that you can get connected. Perfect. I appreciate it. Okay. And again, that's Lauren Levy. Uh, he is our mortgage expert. Another great sponsor of the show is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And they can create a personalized insurance plan to cover all your needs for protection from your cars, your home, condo, boat, motorcycle, business, and renter's coverage. And so contact the Roger Mangan team at 303 795 8855 for a complimentary appointment. Like a good neighbor, the Roger Mangan team is there. Most of us have been there. That surprise crunch when you backed into a car in a parking lot or someone rear-ended you at a stoplight? First thing you do is stop and breathe. Second, say a prayer of gratitude that no one was hurt. Third, look for your insurance card. And fourth, be grateful that you have your insurance with Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. You can breathe easier knowing that you can reach the Roger Mangan team 24-7 when you need them. For that Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance peace of mind, call Roger Mangan today at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has nearly 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine works to protect your property rights at the local, county, state, and national level. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Working with Realtor Karen Levine helps you navigate through the process of buying or selling your home. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning Realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. 
That's 303-877-7516. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And uh, wanted to welcome a new sponsor to the show. That is Boson Law. It's a local law firm dedicated to helping individuals in Denver and the surrounding areas fight for the justice, uh, justice they deserve. Boson Law focuses on personalized representation tailored to your unique situation with one-on-one attention and counsel and consistent communication, which that is very important. Boson Law personal injury lawyers have extensive trial experience and have successfully represented clients against the interests of powerful corporations, manufacturers, insurance companies, and government agencies. Contact Boson Law at 303-999-9999 for a complimentary appointment. Uh, and an in-person consultation. So again, that is Boson Law, 303-999-9999. On the line with me is uh, Trent Luce. You know him. He's a sixth-generation farmer and rancher. And uh, gosh, I've missed talking to you. Um, It's good to have you back. You're normally on, and we missed a couple of weeks ago, and then we pre-recorded. So it's great to have you, Trent. It has been a couple of weeks. I can't believe it. Where's time going? I know, I know. And I had missed a text message that you had sent before the 4th regarding a train derailment. And I think it's important that we talk about that. So what happened? So that train derailment took place on a short line railroad in Montana. Um, Montana Rail Links is the name of it. And it got some press, but I obviously try to pay attention to those things. And it turned out that Kelly and I ran Montana that week. And so we went to the Yellowstone River where 17 cars had actually ended up from this train in the river. And those 17 cars, which we, this is kind of interesting in itself, Kim. The bridge that collapsed, one portion of it collapsed and the train went in the river, is at Reed's Point near Columbus, which would be like halfway, not quite halfway between Billings and Bozeman to give everybody kind of a perspective. Halfway between Livingston and Billings is a better narrowing down. That bridge was built in 1917. (laughs) I I just find that humorous that we have a bridge built in 1917 and we wonder why it collapsed in 2023. But it got really interesting because there were three different components in the rail cars that were actually in the river. One was just scrap metal, and that wasn't much of a concern to anybody. There was another uh, set of cars that had molten sulfur and another set of cars that had liquid petroleum asphalt. And 
we sat in the public hearing and we heard the local officials, the EMTs, the first responders, who, by the way, from Columbus, I thought did a fantastic job putting the community at ease and kind of talking about how they'd gone through all of this. And then, of course, the young lady from the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, who's based in her offices in Denver, by the way, uh, just really irritated me because she had this whole premise of this has been a disaster and we're here and we're going to make it better and we're here for you and if you can't don't have the epa you don't have anything i was just like my goodness you you had this group of people locally had just told everybody how things are going well and you come in here and it's if it isn't for you it's not going to happen it just her whole demeanor just hit me wrong but the, the liquid petroleum asphalt literally just constricts into globular chunks and so that's really just an inconvenience and could get in uh, waterways because a lot of city municipality water Columbus and even Billings and all the small communities along the Yellowstone River get their water supply from this and then it came to the molten sulfur and that obviously sounds like oh my goodness this could be a serious problem in our water and it may or may not be I, I happen to believe that it's not going to be and the question was asked of the young lady from the EPA about this molten sulfur. And she said, well, we happen to have an expert from the EPA, a biochemist who's here with us. Paul, would you talk about this? And Paul stood up and he said, well, the, the sulfur can, went into globular forms because of the, the temperature of the river. And it could clog up things like the liquid asphalt, but it probably is not going to be a problem. And then over a period of time, we're going to continue to have these little globular-sized things from the, the size of a quarter all the way up to a football showing up. But in no way, shape, or form should you need to worry about the sulfur because there's, it's not possible for a human to get enough sulfur to be a toxic situation. So this, was the, over, this was the EPA, EPA expert. This was the EPA is... biochemist expert. Okay. So when the meeting's over, I go introduce myself to Paul, and I said, Paul, I just wanted to reassure, that, and I wish I had this recorded, Kim. This was my screw-up of the day. And he wouldn't have talked to me if I was recording, I'm sure. But regardless, I wish I had it on tape. I said, you're convinced that this sulfur is not an issue and it's not harmful to humans. He said, no, yeah, you give me a few little sound bites, right, again, why it's not. And I said, so then, Paul, why is it that roughly 20 years ago the EPA banned sulfur from diesel fuel and put greater restrictions on sulfur and diesel fuel to protect the planet? And if sulfur is not dangerous to humans, now we have the point where farmers are adding sulfur to their fertilizer mixes because we are deficient of sulfur in the atmosphere. So is it harmful or not harmful from an EPA standpoint? You know, that's a great question. And what happens with the sulfur in the atmosphere is that it turns into sulfur oxide, and so it, it becomes a gas or, or an acid rain situation when a rain comes and it brings that sulfur back to Earth. I said, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm just a cowboy from Nebraska, but what I just heard you say was you take the element of sulfur, it evaporates into the atmosphere, it becomes sulfur dioxide, which means that it mixes with two oxygen molecules, and then when H2O, water, comes through it in the form of rain and brings it back to Earth, it's somehow dangerous to the planet when, in fact, you just told the people here that water and sulfur in this river is not dangerous. So which is it, Paul? <laughs> I said... I think 
the EPA is banning things that are important for elemental health of the planet, and you're just hoodwinking us. You and said his that? Response, yeah, and his response was precious. He said, well, sir, I'm from the East Coast, and you folks out West just think different than we do. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What I think, Paul, is that I think that the elements of nature actually mean something and that science is science, and I'm not going to confuse science with political rhetoric trying to control my life and eliminating all of these elements which are absolutely essential. And now that I've told that story a couple of times, I've had many agronomists get a hold of me and say, Trent, it's a serious issue that the sulfur is not present in the atmosphere and it's leading to soil health problems. And we're, we're needing to add the sulfur back to these fertilizer mixes. And a lot of people aren't paying attention to it because they didn't realize what had been taking place. But all of that comes about because we want cleaner emissions from our diesel. It's a mess. It, well, it is. It is a mess. I, I there's this part of me after the whole COVID reaction, this distrust of. I just distrust, you know, the mRNA vaccine. I, I'm just. I have this distrust, but yet, I, and I, I'm going to ask you the next question, and that is pesticides and crop yields. So first of all, I have. Um, I have a little. Um, tomato plants and pepper plants and uh, some herbs and they've not done well uh, because we have had cool uh, cool temperatures a lot of rain now maybe we're going to get things ramped up here but I went out one morning and my little pepper plant a bunch of the leaves had been chewed off and I looked around and I think I found the pest and I um, took care of it but caught her at it <laughs> but uh my concern is, is, is we, and so many of my friends, we talk about pesticides and herbicides and, you know, ingesting things into our body from pesticides and herbicides, uh, that it's bad for humans. And, and I, I, I get that. But yet I looked at my pepper plant and I thought, if farmers were not able to use pesticides, then these um, pests would could decimate their crops and we would have no food. So so what do you think about pesticides and crop yields? I am consuming massive quantities of pesticide as you tell this story. You know what pesticide that is? What? Coffee. Caffeine is a pesticide that the coffee plant, the tea plant, produced to protect itself from insects. In fact, Grandma put coffee grounds on the garden she didn't know that it was not only doing a nitrogen fixation in the garden, the caffeine was actually assisting the plant and protecting itself from pests. I have a pretty fair-looking potato crop, and I dust those potatoes with coffee grounds like you would with seven on a regular basis because that's how I keep the bugs from eating them. I am very biased. I do not believe the bugs should eat my potatoes. I think that I should. And tobacco... And nicotine, nicotine's the same exact component. It is a pesticide that protects the plant from insects. And we've been demonizing pesticides for far so, so long. The entire United States EPA, speaking of the EPA, was created for one purpose, to ban DDT. 
the science said that DDT improved human lives like no chemical had ever improved human lives before. It eliminated, it, it put a greater pressure on the mosquito population. The mosquito population was spreading malaria. Had it not been for DDT, we had parts of World War II we would have never won. It's recorded that nearly a million people's lives were saved in a very short time thanks to DDT. And yet Rachel, Rachel Carson in 19, I think, 61, writes a book called Silent Spring, and it led to the banning and the fear-mongering of chemicals globally. And the entire EPA was created simply to ban DDT, and it was a huge step backwards in mankind. Wow. Okay, we're going to continue the conversation with Trent Luce, his sixth-generation farmer and rancher, about uh, things that go on uh, in rural America that feed us, that fuel us, and they are it, it's under attack from a political ideological standpoint and that's why it's important that we have these conversations uh, about this we get to do this because of sponsors like johnny stubbs uh, heating and air conditioning services it's colorado we want warm homes in the winter and cool comfortable homes in the summer johnny stubbs services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years johnny stubbs services team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs kim munson highly recommends johnny stubbs services Schedule your air conditioning check before summer arrives at johnnystubservices.com and receive a great gift. That's johnnystubservices.com. Knowledge is power. A reverse mortgage can be an important financial tool for individuals 62 and older. It is essential to understand the process so that all your questions are answered. With nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry, Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Kim Munson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You should not have to force people to do it. Uh, did want to mention uh, the USMC Memorial Foundation. Uh, actually could use some help in keeping the flags flying and the lights on at the USMC Memorial out at Sixth and Colfax. So if you go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org, at the very top, there is a red banner. Click on that, and you can contribute directly to keeping those flags flying. It is so important. So be sure and do that. Again, that's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. Trent Luce, a sixth-generation farmer and rancher. You can find him at Loose Tales Media. That's L-O-O-S, Tales, like telling a story, media.com. Uh, ended up in this conversation uh, earlier this week. It came come to my attention that 
at many of the college gra- uh, college graduations, universities and colleges graduations, that they are starting their gradu or they were starting their graduation. Uh, ceremony with we want to recognize that we are standing on stolen land from indigent the indigenous people and we want to acknowledge that blah 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 and so we I, we've I've had several conversations uh, about that um, and the, one of the the statements was where the the buffalo her, herds um, you know were decimated because of the white man and and I made the comment that well, well, didn't buffalo uh, emit a whole bunch of methane? Uh, and I, th- I thought they were part of the cow family. And is buffalo methane okay, but cow methane wasn't? And so my question is, is, is buffalo methane different or buf- buffalo flatulence different than cow flatulence? No. End of story. <laughs> uh, we can expand that, though, because it's okay. reported... Uh, you know, Lewis and Clark determined from that era till the mid to late 1800s. At one time, there was a, a roughly 70 million head of buffalo. Some scientists say 60 million head of buffalo. Some scientists say 70 million head of buffalo. Ironically, in the United States today, we have 80 million head of ruminants, beef, dairy cattle, and buffalo. And so I find it very ironic. We have, excuse me, the same number of buffalo or ruminants that we did pre-1800. It's very interesting you bring this up because this very day and, and this morning on Across the Pond, I did a, a story on Scotty Phillip. Scotty Phillip immigrated at the age of 17 from Scotland to Kansas and uh, Nebraska, spent some time as an Indian scout in Fort Robinson, and I was in Wyoming working on ranches, ended up in South Dakota. And it was Scott, Scotty Phillip, who determined that the number of bison, in fact, he saw this on some trading wagons going through Kansas in the late 1800s, he determined that the number of bison was in peril. And so he bought a herd of 57 out from one individual at a time when the American bison inventory was at less than 1,500. We had nearly hunted them to extinction. And Scotty Phillip was the individual who bought these 57 head and quickly turned his herd into a thousand head and is single-handedly heralded as the person who saved the buff American buffalo from extinction. Uh, I brought that up in the, in the across the pond feature today because we all sit back. We don't all. Too many of us sit back and we say, when when's the government going to help us? When's the government going to put a new law in place to make this happen or save the buffalo? Or uh, No better example than the Endangered Species Act. 26 different species of plants and animals have been listed as endangered species, and they, they had a recovery for 20, 20 of 2,600. That's not a success story. One guy by himself decided he was going to be the innovator, and he saved the buffalo. And the buffalo are a vital part of our history. They're a vital, vital part of our future. And I wanted to say one other thing. I don't care what the, the greenhouse gas emissions are different from a buffalo or a cow. And here's why I don't care. We've been hoodwinked, just like my sulfur story. This is no different. Sulfur is absolutely vital for soil health. The other three greenhouse gases that we're told that are causing climate change and a problem, and cows are responsible for one of those is methane. 
90% of the natural gas in this country is comprised of methane. And methane is vital for not only planet health, it's vital for producing electricity and energy and converting fertilizers from methane, from natural gas, into plant food. The other natural gas we hear a lot about, or the greenhouse gas we hear a lot about, is nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is 78% of the Earth's surface, and it produces nitrogen, which is essential not only for human heart health, it's essential for plant growth. We continue to make a plant food called nitrogen to produce uh, growth in plants. The other greenhouse gas is CO2, carbon dioxide, which I think everybody now knows at 430 parts per million in the atmosphere is responsible for feeding plants with photosynthesis, producing oxygen. And I think I shared with you three weeks ago that the more CO2 we have, the less water the plant actually needs to have the same amount of growth. So those three greenhouse gases, Kim, and include sulfur now, are vital for the future of plant growth, sulfur for a soil health standpoint, the other three for plant food, those are the ones we've been demonizing. So we need more methane. We need more nitrous oxide. I take a nitrous oxide supplement every single morning for my personal health. It's the element of, of health that everybody should really focus on, and we've allowed people to demonize those. Okay. Uh, this just came in on the text line. It says, uh, our cows now eat corn, not grass, because of the corn subsidies to Iowa where presidential elections start. Also, why have we put corn ethanol in our cars? What do you say to that, Trent Luce? I think this is a great discussion because I've spent a lot of time on ethanol because ethanol is the driving force in the CO2 pipelines. But the first premise is incorrect. At 80% of even corn-fed beef, 80% of the diet of that beef animal came from a grass or cellulose product before they go to the feed yard. 80% of their total diet comes from grass. The subsidy to corn farmers doesn't exist like it once did. Uh, It's interesting. I was in Fort Dodge, Iowa this past Saturday, and we'll be spending more time in Iowa because, as you know, the presidential uh, primary debates are going to ramp up in 40 days. And so Iowa is going to be a large component of this. The the subsidies that are going to the corn farmers is not about more and better beef. There are, it's all going to how can the government control the land that the farmers now produce food on. That's what people should be concerned about in terms of subsidies into the farming sector. And this farm bill, it's going to start discussion right away in D.C., is going to have more components of removing the rights of individual landowners than we've ever seen before. That's what you want to be concerned about, not feeding corn to cattle. Okay. Next thing. And and one final thing. If we stay with our science, corn is actually a grass. That our, even the Indians used corn to feed themselves and to feed livestock. They just cultivated and, and, and absolutely honed in on the genetics behind this grass to produce a big flourishing seed called corn that we use in so many aspects. Sorry to interrupt you. Okay. Um, next one, this is from a listener. GMO corn and soy goes into the cells of the consumer. How, how would you address that? I don't know that that's true. What I do know is that we need more studies about how uh, genetically modified crops, genetically modified crops do not impact us in any way, shape, or form. 
the question I have, and I want to in, in the coming months and year, is to figure out what glyphosate, the component that is the reason we genetically modify those, compo- those crops, what does glyphosate do to soil health? We have a billion microbes in healthy soil. Does glyphosate impact that one that community of one billion microbes in the soil? That's what I want to know. But and I, I in no way, shape, or form believe that there is a danger to the human body from the consumption of corn and soybeans from those products. And furthermore, we as humans eat very few corn, very little of the corn components. Seven percent of the U.S. corn crop goes into industrial uses i.e. high fructose corn syrup and things like that. The majority of the corn goes into either ethanol production or livestock feed, and we're about 17% is exported to other countries. Okay. I think, I don't understand this glyphosate. I know that a lot of people are super concerned about that. You're mentioning soil health. What, what should people be thinking about that? Well, it comes back to a discussion that we seem to be repeatedly having, and you started it perfectly. How do we control weeds? And weeds are plants out of place because every plant has a purpose, but if it's a plant where you don't want it, like i.e. in your garden, then it's a weed. And if you do not have some measure of weed control, you're not going to have anything growing. And, And back before we had chemicals at all, what the farmer did was would farm diagonally, would farm, not diagonally, but in a, a checkerboard approach. So they would till the land through the crop one way, and then they would till it the other way, just like hoeing a garden to minimize the weed pressure on the crop. Well, what we now know is that there's a greater impact to the soil health by opening up that soil on a regular basis instead of allowing it to remain capped on the top. So every time we till the soil, we're actually contributing to a catastrophic event, which is allowing for the release of these billions of microbes that do the soil health and keep and hold the moisture. It's all about containing and holding moisture in that topsoil. And every time you till it, you're creating a release of that moisture, and that leads to a problem. But I I know that uh, there's uh, every, every year there's new cre- um, creativity and innovation in farming uh, to to work to increase yields. Um, I know weather's been crazy out uh, where I'm from in western Kansas. Uh, the storms have been it seems like it seems like they've been more intense this year. Would you say that's true or not? Uh, Absolutely, and- that's true. In fact, I had some. Oh, I just finished my rollout radio program with a guy named J.C. Cole, and he keeps track of uh, weather modification and things like that. And there was a prediction three months ago, and J.C. brought it to my radio airwaves, that we would see more severe hail in this storm season 2023 than we've ever experienced before. And if you talk to anybody in Colorado, you know that uh, two weeks ago there was severe hail that caused a significant amount of damage, particularly in northeast Colorado. We had hailstorms around us last night. Uh, there's no doubt they are more uh, dramatic and significant than they have been in the past. Look at what happened in New York City. The entire Newark airport was closed down for a day because of two inches of rain an hour. So then that's – with and we'll, let's leave that as a cliffhanger because then that would, I think, um, embolden those that say the climate is changing – 
that, that this is just proof of that. So I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger with uh, Trent Luce, and um, we're going to um, be talking about that when we come back. A uh, great sponsor of the show is Dr. Craig Stimson. He is my chiropractor. He's been helping people for 37 years. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. You want to be proactive about protecting your home and family in light of high crime and uncertain times. You need to go to Franktown Firearms. As a family-owned and family-friendly gun store and range, Franktown Firearms invites you to train and learn together. They want you and your family to be safe and confident in using the firearms you purchase. And while most ranges will teach you to shoot down a straight line, Franktown offers a more tactical approach where you're walking, ducking, drawing in more realistic scenarios and always with safety as a top priority. Training your family to defend themselves is an important process. You need a patient and experienced trainer to work with. Franktown Firearms offers group classes, one-on-one training, and special shooting events like Tactical Fun Night to improve your skill and have fun while you're at it. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown and schedule your family's training today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. <clears throat> Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I uh, wanted to mention the Center for American Values located on the Riverwalk down in Pueblo, Colorado. And uh, focused really on two things. Uh, One of those is the Medal of Honor and Portraits of Valor. And then also uh, educational... programs to to continue to preserve this great American idea of honor, integrity, and patriotism. So you can get more information about everything that they do by going to AmericanValueCenter.org. On the line with me is Trent Luce, sixth-generation farmer and rancher. We've got Doug on the line from Littleton, and we'll get to him in just a moment. These intense hailstorms, in fact, in my hometown, this last weekend, a number of farmers were uh, had fields that were hailed out. 
And I, I asked you if it was more intense. You said yes. That seems to lead right into the narrative of climate change. Uh, and so I'm concerned about that. What, what's your thoughts on that, um, Trent? Look west. What do you see, Ken? Uh, well, the mountains. You reckon that was a real nice, wonderful day when those Rocky Mountains were created? What do you think it was like when the Grand Canyon was created? How about the Badlands of North Dakota? How about all of Yellowstone? Old Faithful sitting there waiting to blow again. It's been happening for thousands of years. How do we as prima donnas think that something that we're doing is causing a, a monsoon of rain in New York City? Absolutely not. It's part of a natural weather cycle and not the weather. It's a climate cycle. We know the history says that we are due for a 400-year CMEs coming from the sun, sunspots and, and blast of little sun spouting off, coming and inflicting harm upon Earth. We know that's going to happen at some point in time. Will it be in your and my lifetime? We don't know that. But we do know that the climate always has changed and it always will. Okay. Doug, uh, in, thank you, Trent. Doug in Littleton, what is on your radar? Well, I heard the thing on the sulfur. One, I'm not a chemist, but I, I worked in the industry on, on diesel um, fuel, not so much the fuel, but the oil. Um, what happens, you know, chemistry is a strange thing. With different elements, it does different things. You know, by themselves, they're fine. But in a diesel engine with heat, oxygen, and combustion, with the sulfur, you get a reaction. You get the sulfuric acid, which is corrosive to the internal components of a diesel engine. There's oil additives to neutralize those acids, kind of like a Tums, the total base number to neutralize those acids. So they took the sulfur down lower and lower just to, you know, uh, you know, there's pros and cons there, but uh, it's more of a catalyst in that application uh, with other elements that creates a problem. You know, obviously by themselves, a lot of things are, are not uh, a problem. It's like selenium in oil, um, in internal combustion engine, creates some nasty things that are a problem. But by themselves, selenium is an element that's that's fine. And you find it in head and shoulders. You find it in other stuff that it's good. It's kind of like a hydrogen bomb or an atom bomb. You put certain elements together uh, certain things will happen, um, and I think that's kind of a, a thing on the diesel uh, problem. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, I enjoy Trent. He's, he's got so much information and knowledge and stuff, and I he's awesome. And I appreciate this show because the truth will set you free. And the more people know, the, the better off we all are. And you know, God, we're not God. God made a great planet, and we just need to pay attention. To all the natural stuff out there and the good stuff that works and and not be demonized um, in in things, you know, that are out there. And uh, my hat's off to both of you guys uh, and gals, I should say. Uh, Thank you you for all the hard work. And and I learned so much from Trent and you guys, but I thought I'd give that two cents in on the sulfur. Just, you know, look at it in that perspective. It's, It's more of a catalyst than a diesel engine, but like a lot of the new trucks today unfortunately most of the maintenance problem is due to emissions stuff they put on there with all this def stuff that's not working very well and that's a whole nother bag of problems and that that's a boy that's an excellent point doug and littleton thank you so much trent your thoughts 
Well, thank you, Doug. And the most important thing Doug said that I agree with wholeheartedly, God created Earth, and we somehow think that we're going to make it better. In fact, our activities and policy, not in day-to-day living, is what's causing the challenge. I I don't know anything. I, I absolutely yield to Doug on the internal combustion engine. That's not my forte. What I do know is that since the point in time that we made sulfur not available in diesel, Farmers are coming up with sulfur deficiencies in their soil. And I just downloaded, because we're talking about it, I found a wonderful new book, an ebook that can be downloaded on increased production off your land by understanding soil microbes. And it goes into great lengths about the importance of sulfur in the microbes. So thanks for this conversation today. I'm going to be better. Okay. Um, <clears throat> another. Um, well, let's see if we, we have about four minutes. Uh, this was from a listener. Uh, and um, it was an email, and he said, I was listening to your Monday, July 10 broadcast, and you were talking about the indigenous peoples and the land that was taken from them. As an aside, you made mention of the attempt to ban cows due to the left's obsession with global climate change. He says, my questions are, one, do they want to make cows extinct to save the climate? Uh, And then he says, two, is this not at odds with their brothers on the left, the... um, PETA organization that protects all animals. Then number three, do they want us to stop eating meat entirely? He says the answer is yes. Do they know what causes a cow to have methane emissions? Answer to number four, it's the fermentation of the several stomachs of the cow of the plant matter they eat. And if we stop eating beef completely, then we will then diminish the methane emissions. And answer number five is not a bit. If we cannot eat meat, then we will be forced to eat plant matter. And why do they think... um, they actually do not think that humans who eat purely plant matter will not also produce methane emissions. He says, the fact of the matter is there are far, far more humans than cows, and if you force all humans to be vegan or vegetarian, then you will increase the methane output per human, and the end, <laughs> no no pun intended, result will be more methane, not less. What's your thoughts on all of that, Trent? Did you follow I that? I caught your in little joke, Kim. See, I, I also <laughs> caught the fact that every single segment, you haven't given me any leeway. You just jump right into what you wanted to talk about without allowing <laughs> me to, any, any freedom to say, hey, I had an idea today, Kim. But I <laughs> we'll do that next week. Said, I, I echo everything said in that comment. The only thing I would add, it has absolutely nothing to do with the animals we eat. It just so happens the people who own animals are the last bastion of independent, independent, and it comes back to property rights. And if we can, if they, the controlling entities of the nation and the globe, continue to allow people to own property, to utilize animals to make the property better, and to sustain a living, they cannot control our lives. So the landowners, the cattle owners, are the the best insulation from total tyranny and totalitarianism that we have on the planet. Okay. Thank you. And... um... The, the end of this email is that he says the, the left, the radical activist left, never think these things through. And um, I also want to mention just the energy density of, uh, of both oil and gas, but also of, uh, of proteins such as meat. There's energy density in all that, which, which makes us all more efficient. Next week, Trent... I'm going to let you totally choose the subject. About you can time. choose everything. About time. Okay. Uh, I did take issue with the last statement that she made in her comment. That's the only thing I took issue with. These radical left agendas are very well thought out and strategized. 
to harm human life and control, put the ha- control of humans in a few hands. Okay, that maybe that's a whole nother discussion because I've started to wonder uh, over the years, and we've talked about eggs, uh, how they demonize eggs with cholesterol, but now we realize eggs are good for us. They're demonizing uh, meat, but yet meat is, uh, you know, has great uh, energy for us. So that's a whole nother discussion that we can can have next week uh, on that. And nitrates. Uh, well, and nitrates. nitrates. We're going to include nitrates. Okay. One other thing, I have just about 45 seconds, is um, cloud seeding. I've reached out to the state of Colorado. Apparently, we have a weather modification department here in Colorado, and I'm going to try to get somebody on from, uh, so I'd like to talk about that at some point in time as well as government sure. and weather modification. Be glad to. Okay. Thanks, Kim. Okay. Okay. That's Trent Luce. Trent, thank you so much. We will talk to you next week. He's a sixth generation farmer and rancher. And we are talking about these issues that affect rural Colorado, rural America. Uh, property rights is inherent in all that. Property rights are inherent in the American idea. And they are under assault through public policy because the totalitarian um, tyrannists do not want uh, everyday people to have property because if they do, then we have freedom. And our founders knew that. And so our quote for the end of the show is from Thomas Paine says, tyranny like hell is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. mountains climbing, twisting, turning further from my home. Young, like a new moon rising, fierce. Through the rain and lightning, wandering out into this great unknown. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't survive. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.